Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. Tonight, um, we'll be looking at one verse from Psalm 27, 8. This is the word of the Lord. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. So tonight I want us to focus our attention upon pursuing God. Another way to put this is seeking the Lord's face. If you are like me, perhaps you're at a place where you know you've not been seeking the Lord as you should. You do not actively pursue God. You do not give him your time, which really isn't yours to begin with. You do not spend your time with him alone. You simply are not seeking his face. So my sermon tonight is simple. God tells us to seek his face. Do our hearts respond to him by saying, your face, Lord, do I seek? So what does it mean to seek the Lord's face? Well, it means to pursue God. To seek God's face means that we want intimacy with our Lord. We want to know him and to be known by him. But why, why use this language of seeking God's face? What is it about the face that, it's, that it uses that language? Think about our own face for a second. The face is the front of our heads, right? In the simplest terms, we all have one. I'm looking at all your faces, and you're looking at my face. Right? But it's, more, it's much more than just the front of our, of our head. The face is the most physically relational part of us as men, as mankind. It's the mechanism of intimacy. It conveys what is going on in our heart and mind. When we're happy, we show it in our face. When we're sad or depressed, we show it in our face, whether we want to or not. Has any, anyone come up to you before and say, you look sad? You're like, how did he know that? It's on your face. So the face is a means of connecting to others relationally. This is why eye contact is important when having a conversation or when preaching a sermon, Right? And think about all the things we do with our face. With our face, we smile, we cry, we laugh, we show anger, we kiss if we're married. And then ultimately, we either are building or destroying relationships, right? So hear how scripture talks about the face relationally. If you remember, if you recall, the ninth plague, Pharaoh, uh, after the ninth plague, Pharaoh's conflict with God has now come to a boiling point. And in a moment of great intensity, he tells Moses, get away from me. Beware, do not see my face again, for in the day you see my face, you shall die. And Moses replied, you are right. I shall not see your face again. The expression, see my face, intensifies the whole scene. Moses will never see Pharaoh again, not just Pharaoh's body, but his face. Their relationship is over. 
And remember, after Joseph was restored to his father Jacob, having been gone for decades, and Jacob thought he was dead, his father meets with him, and he cries out, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. And later, when Jacob blesses Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, Manasseh, he says, I've never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your children as well. It was Joseph's face that Jacob longed to see. It's the children of him, their faces that he, he loves. And so the relationship was restored upon seeing his face. Before David's son, Absalom, started his conspiracy to take the throne, listen to how his relationship with his father was. Now Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem and did not see the king's face. Their relationship was broken, and we know it did not end well. And in the New Testament, we see this as well. Listen to how Paul describes his opposing Peter in Galatians 2. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Twice in John's letters, he says, I hope to come to you and speak face to face. He wants to see them face to face so that the conversation is not hindered in any way. It's open, it's free, it's pure. So the face is clearly the most relational part of us. It's intensely intimate. Our face is also the most easily identifiable part of us. It's the quickest thing that people see and make a connection of who we are. It's what defines us. This is why our driver's licenses have a picture of our face on it, right? And this is why Facebook is called Facebook, not hairbook or armbook, all right? Our face is our identity. Okay, so how does Scripture talk about the face of God? Well, when God cursed Cain for slaying his brother, Cain cried out, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground and from your face. I will be hidden. Not only is he driven away from the land, he's driven away from God. And Cain can't bear the thought of being cut off from the Lord. In Cain's mind, to have God's face hidden means to not have a relationship with him. All throughout the Psalms, we hear a similar cry. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalm 13. In Psalm 44, why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and oppression? And this is everywhere in the Psalms. Psalm 30, Psalm 69, 80, 88, 102, 132, 143, just to name a few that I found. It's everywhere. Throughout Leviticus, God commands the Israelites not to commit certain sins, such as eating blood, seeking mediums and spiritists, and sacrificing their children. He tells them if they do these things, I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people, my people. This is more intense than God's face being hidden, as we saw in the Psalms. His face is actively set against the wicked. We see this also in Psalm 34, which Peter quotes, the face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. But the face of God is also taken positively in, in Scripture. 
Aaron's benediction at number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Psalm 11, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Psalm 31, make your face to shine upon your servant. You know, echoing the ironic benediction there. And when Jacob wrestled the angel of God, he called the place Peniel, which literally means the face of God. Because Jacob said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Finally, in Exodus 33, and this isn't an exhaustive list by any means. The face is all over both Old and New Testaments. In Exodus 33, we are told that the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses had a huge privilege while leading the people of God in the wilderness. For one, he would meet with God on the mountain, right? Think about that now. What would that have been like, going to the glory cloud to receive the word of God, which had not been revealed yet? To receive his commandments, even on tablets written with God's finger. Moses would also meet with God in the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. This is where he met with him the most. And they spoke to each other face to face as a man speaks to his friend. What a privilege. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Can you feel the intimacy that Moses had with God? And yet we find out just a few minutes, a few verses later in Exodus 33 that Moses could actually not see the face of God. Listen to their dialogue. This is Exodus 33, 12 through 33, or 23. Then Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring up this people. And you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he, Moses, said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how, can, how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So Moses knew God intimately, and yet was held back from the fullest revelation of God. 
He could not see his face in its fullness. God's face is his pure identity. We as sinful men cannot behold it in this life, in its fullness. We cannot behold the full glory of God right now. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. But does this mean we cannot seek the face of God now? Does this mean that since we can't behold his fullness today, then we might not as well seek any part of him whatsoever? Of course not, right? How ridiculous. We must seek his face, even continually. Psalm 105, verse 4. Why should we seek God's face, right? Why? Well, perhaps this question shouldn't even be asked. It's like asking, why should I breathe air? Because you'll die if you don't. It's necessary. Why should we seek God's face? Because we must seek his face. We must pursue him. He's the fountain of our existence. He is the reason you even have thoughts. To not pursue your creator means you do not care for the one who upholds your very life. God is not a robot. He is personal, relational. If we do not pursue him, we will not know him. We will not feel his presence. We will not have the fountain of life pouring life into us. To not pursue God is to pursue death. How can anyone say that they love God if they do not pursue him? It's impossible. The same is true of any other relationship we have. If I love my wife and I want to have a relationship with her, right? I pursue her. I seek her face. I even have the privilege of kissing her face. If a husband and wife do not pursue each other, their marriage will fail. It shows they have no love for each other. So to not pursue God, it's the same. It's not to love him. And we know, as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Can you seek God's face? We know we need to. Can you? In order for you to seek God's face, he must first do a work in you. Again, our text says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord. Do I seek? Calvin says about this, No one can believingly rise to seek God until the way is first opened by God's invitation. Sinful man will not pursue God unless God changes our heart first. The medieval theologian Anselm is quite good here. Listen to what he says. Be it mine to look up to your light, even from afar, even from the depths. Teach me to seek you. And reveal yourself to me when I seek you. For I cannot seek you except you teach me. Nor find you except you reveal yourself. Let me seek you in longing. Let me long for you in seeking. Let me find you in love and love you in finding. Lord, I acknowledge and I thank you that you have created me in this your image. In order that I might, may be mindful of you, may conceive of you and love you. 
But that image has been so consumed and wasted away by vices and obscured by the smoke of wrongdoing that it cannot achieve that for which it was made except you renew it and create it anew. So what Calvin and Anselm are talking about is what Thomas Chalmers calls the expulsive power of a new affection. Right? The expulsive power of a new affection. Our inner man, the heart, must be changed in order for us to see God. There has to be a work of God first before we can seek him. We need new affections. We need new desires. We need a love for God in order to pursue him. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Have you felt the power of a new affection? Then seek his face. Seek him. Okay, well how? How are we to seek his face? How are we to have intimacy with God? Well, number one, the simplest answer is to give him your time. Give him your time. In my own experience, this is the number one reason why my relationship with God gets hindered. I simply do not spend time with him. I don't give him my time. Spending time with God means being alone with him. Okay? Again, Anselm puts this really well. Up now, slight man, flee for a little while your occupations. Hide yourself for a time from your disturbing thoughts. Cast aside now your burdensome cares and put away your toilsome business. Yield room for some little time to God and rest for a little time in him. Enter the inner chamber of your mind. Shut out all the thoughts save that of God and such as can aid you in seeking him. Close your door and seek him. Speak now, my heart. Speak now to God, saying, I seek your face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. And come you now, O Lord my God, teach my heart where, I, where and how it may seek you, where and how it may find you. So give God your time. Be alone with him. There's a great quote from A.W. Tozer attributed to him. You can have as much of God as you want. In fact, you already do, right? Okay, now I know you're thinking to yourself, easy for you to say, you only have one child. I have no time. If you saw my schedule, you would understand, okay? And I'm quite sympathetic with that, truly. I'm not just saying this. I'm very sympathetic with that. There are busy people who have a lot of duties. But more importantly, God is sympathetic, okay? It is not as if God does not know what duties we have, what trials we have, how hard it is to make time to be alone, or even to just find the physical space to be alone, even for maybe 10 minutes, right? So what are we to do? Well, if you seek the Lord... He will meet with you. God does not relate to us all in the exact same way. He is gracious. He knows just how much each of us needs to pursue him and how much in turn to respond to us. 
how much to reveal of himself to us. He is not a hard taskmaster. He is a father. What did Christ say? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. All God wants is our heart. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So give him your time. Number two, we must repent of our sins. This is how we seek his face, by confessing sins to him. Fellowship with God is prevented by sin. God hides his face when we sin. There have been times when I felt that the Lord was distant from me, and I couldn't figure out why. And it wasn't until I thought about my sins and confessed them to God. This just happened to me last week. Okay. Ironically, one of my sins I realized I needed to confess was, I do not seek you, Lord. I don't pursue you. Help me pursue you. We must think about our sins. We must confess them. Do you want to overcome your sins? Seek the one who gives you power, supernatural power, to overcome your sin. Do you want to be holy? Seek the Holy One's face. Number three, we must crucify ourselves. You have to crucify yourself. The only thing that prevents us from pursuing God and knowing Him is ourself. You look in the mirror and you go, what's the problem? It's me. You're looking at Him, right? In his book, The Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer said, Self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. How many times have we opted to entertain ourselves instead of seeking God's face? How many times have we given ourselves to work instead of to God? How many times have we decided to sleep instead of calling out to God? The self must be mortified. We must die to ourselves every day. Four, we must flee idolatry. Okay? Question 95 of the Heidelberg Catechism says this. What is idolatry? Idolatry is having or inventing something in which one trusts in place of or alongside of the only true God who has revealed himself in his word. Idolatry is, something, is having or inventing something in which one trusts in place of or alongside of God. It's very interesting. Our hearts are very deceptive. Okay? Anything and everything can take the place of God in our hearts. There's a reason that the Apostle John ends one of his letters so abruptly with this. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. One of the greatest dangers that someone who studies theology, <clears throat> me, right? You're looking at him, so I'm confessing my sins now. The greatest dangers that someone who studies theology can fall into is to love theology more than the God of theology. It's to love the thoughts and words of men that they have about God instead of God himself. Any Christian can fall into this same trap. We can go to church and think that we have experienced God simply because we heard his word and sang the songs. 
But if we did not seek his face, then we did not worship him. We did not pursue him. It's because our heart was not engaged. If you seek his face, though, if you cry out to him from your heart, be assured he will answer. He will meet with you. Finally, number five, read his word. How do we seek God's face? We read his word. Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. One of the primary ways God speaks to us is through his word. The way in which we come to know God is by pursuing him in his word. But the word of God is not the final end itself. It's the means to the end, which is God himself. The person of God. Have you ever picked up the Bible and instead of being in awe of it, knowing it's holy, knowing it's so other than this world and the words of men, you felt that instead it was dry. It was like cardboard. You felt you had already exhausted it, like there was nothing left for you to really learn from it. You felt like there was no reason to keep reading it. Did you read God's word and yet none of it pierced your heart? Again, this is because our heart was not engaged. If we come hungry, hungry to the word of God, if we come asking God to feed us, if we give our time and our mind to it, not just passively, but actively engaged, be assured God will feed us. Young people, you have more time now than you ever will in your life. If you're in college, you have more time now than you ever will in your life. If you're a parent, you have more time now than you probably ever will in your life, in some sense. You know, use it wisely. Spend time in the Word of God, especially you young people, though. Will you seek God's face? Right, we know we have to. Will we? Will your heart respond to God, your face, Lord? Do I seek? We must seek him. We must desire him. Don't tell yourself, I do not have time. Necessity is the mother of invention. Tonight, ask God to reveal himself to you. Ask him to tear the idols from your heart and to make him the greatest desire of your heart. And when you do, you will find that your life will have far more joy and purpose than it does now. The closer we are to the love of God, to God, the closer we are to the God of love, the more he elevates our relationships with other people. Do you believe that? The God of love can actually give you love that you didn't know you could have for other people, that he elevates the relationships you have with everyone around you. I mean, what's life other than having relationships with people, right? In closing, hear these words from 2 Corinthians 4. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, 
is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Moses, who spoke with God face to face, was not given anything close to the revelation we have. The Messiah has come, and it is in his face that we find the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. If you're a Christian, then pursue Christ. Seek his face, and one day we will behold him, no longer through a glass darkly, but face to face. Amen? All right, let's close in prayer. Our gracious Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us, revealing yourself chiefly in your Son, our Lord Christ. We pray, Father, that you would help us to seek your face. Help us to pursue you, to know you, and in pursuing you, may we find you. And may you change us and make you like yourself. In the blessed name of Christ we pray. Amen.